this is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. I just want to welcome you to this Bible study. And in this episode, was Jesus born on December 25th? The short answer is no. So we're kind of conditioned, and I'm going to say kind of, we are conditioned to believe and celebrate that Jesus' birth was on December 25th. There's a lot of history in that I'm not going to go into. You could look up that history for yourself. But it basically has a lot to do with commercial, uh, finances, uh, the time of the season uh, that has come from many different areas uh, because the United States has many different cultures in it. So I'll leave that for you. So I want to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. It says, therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Now, if you understand what that means, leaven or yeast is compared to sin. Now, you're not going to read a lot of the explanation of that in the New Testament. It's going to be in the Old Testament. So I call the Old Testament the Hebrew Bible or the Scriptures. So you'll see that the Torah, uh, the Nivine, and the Ketuvim, or it's the, the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. So the whole history of unleavened bread or flatbread goes all the way back to the Passover with the Jews and when they partook in the Passover of Exodus 12. So there is a large study to understand when it comes to the Lord's Passover. I suggest that you do that is because you'll understand more about what Jesus was talking about when it comes to this time uh, of year uh, and to the time of the actual year and time that Jesus was actually born. The fact that it was changed and it's changed may have been on purpose or not, but it does lead us to a different place in time when it comes to biblical history. To understand Jesus' birth is coinciding directly to Scripture and our faith. There's a lot more to this. This narrative is gigantic, but there's a lot more to this, which I'm going to do my best to explain. So the Passover lamb is more vital to understand when it comes to the Passover in Exodus 12, more so than unleavened bread. The unleavened bread part is us, and the Passover is God's mercy, love, and grace. So I'm going to go back and forth to the, to the, the Gospels and the Epistles and also to the Hebrew Bible. So John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God. John chapter 1, verse 29, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So if you have any doubts about who the Lamb is, Jesus Christ is the Lamb. We could find that in Revelations chapter 13, verse 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world. So scripturally, now that I have established who the Lamb of God is, let's see what Exodus 12 reads about the Lamb and the calendar God gave the Israelites. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 2, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So what this means is, is that God said to start their calendar as the first month of the year 
as the month of Nisan. Similarly, the first month of the Gregorian calendar is which the calendar that we follow today. The first month is January, which is in the winter. But on the Jewish calendar, it's Nisan, which actually begins in the spring. In Exodus chapter 12, the tenth day of Nisan is Lamb Selection Day. So a healthy and excellent male lamb should be chosen. After the selection of the lamb, they are to keep the lamb for four days. And this will serve as an inspection period for the defects. The lamb is to be killed or slaughtered on day 14 of Nisan, and that's at twilight, which is what the Jews call the ninth hour. In Judaism, a whole day is divided into sections of hours. The seventh hour is from 1 to 2 p.m., the eighth hour is from 2 to 3 p.m., and the ninth hour is from 3 to 4 p.m. The ninth hour is called twilight. I've always wondered about the word twilight, and I know that's like a movie now, it's weird, but what I'm talking about is, I've heard that word uh, growing up, the twilight zone and stuff. I, I just, I didn't really know what it meant, and then reading and studying the Bible, and where it actually originates from, it, it comes from this place uh, where it's right around sunset, or in that ninth hour, because it's a two to two hour period, I believe, and if you think about it, if Nissan is in the spring, that's still towards the winter. Uh, the days are shorter because of the Earth's axis and how the Earth is tilted away from the sun. So that makes the days shorter. So I could see how uh, in that time of spring, how the days could be shorter and it got darker sooner. So there's a lot more to Passover, but I want to stay on point uh, about the Lamb of God. The reason why there was a lamb available in the first place to sacrifice as the Corban Pesach, or the Passover lamb, is that lambs are born in the spring, which happens to be the month of Nisan. We read about this in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now this scripture is referring to Bethlehem. So this is where they had to, Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem for the census. In Judaism, the shepherds are out during the day and night in the spring or in the month of Nisan. This is so they can watch out for the births of the new lambs in their flocks. And this is what they refer to as the lambing season. In Luke chapter 2 verses 10 through 12, it reads, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Now the first thing I think about when I I read that, and knowing some of the Hebrew Bible, and understanding, trying my best to understand, is that uh, the city of David was Bethlehem. So that's how we know where Jesus was born. I bring to you good tidings and great joy, which will be to all people. So now Abraham's family, it says in the Old Testament, that Abraham's family will be a blessing to the nations. And this is what the angel is saying. So this isn't like, you know, Matthew or Luke writing this out of their own words. This is what they're quoting an angel saying this. 
and angels are messengers of God. And then it says, who is Christ the Lord? So Christ in English, we understand that word, but that's not Jesus' last name. Christ actually means Messiah, which is a derivative of Moshiach, which is the anointed one. So this is what, this is the, what the, the scriptures talk about in the Hebrew Bible about the Messiah. And then there was a sign. It says, and this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. This is the humility that Jesus came in. So this was a sign. Now, the scriptures talk about this. So what, I, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that they, all these things were types and shadows in the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament that led up to this point. And then now the mystery, the unfolding mystery is happening in these scriptures. And you have to try to understand this. So it's not by coincidence. And see, all this is by a prophetic narrative in the type and shadow. Jesus was not only born in conjunction with the Passover, but was also crucified in the ninth hour, the slaughter of the Passover lamb in Exodus 12. The month of Nisan, after the Passover, is when Jesus was delivered up to be crucified. You can find this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 2. It reads, You know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Now the Garden of Gethsemane, this was a garden at the foot of the Mountain of Olives. So if you know your landscape and geography of the Temple Mount or Mount Moriah, there is a uh, a place where it goes down into off of a, a very, um, it's not necessarily a steep uh, drop-off or a cliff, but it definitely goes down and you need a stairwell to uh, or a path to walk down into it. And then you go up the hill up to the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives is roughly uh, a bird's eye view uh, of the temple. So it's not as tall as the Temple Mount or Mount Moriah, but it's it's really close. And then it says here in Matthew chapter 26, 36, it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. So we know here by this scripture that the Mount of Olives is a very short distance from the Temple Mount. If you pay attention and as we read scripture, you're going to get a word picture of how short or long the distances are. And also the possible view that you can probably imagine in your mind and knowing some pictures that you probably have seen of the Holy Land. But here in Mark chapter 13, verse 3, it says, Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite of the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately. So this is what I'm giving you scriptures for. I want you to know that this is where Jesus was at the time this was happening during the Passover. Luke chapter 21, verse 37 reads, And in the daytime he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and stayed on the mountain called Olivet. So Jesus was going in and out of the temple, teaching and preaching. Okay. And then when he was done, he would go over to the Mount of Olives and that's where he would stay. So when Jesus said that, um, I have no home or no place to live and he goes where, you know, these animals have places to live, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He was staying in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and or the the Mount of Olives when he went to Jerusalem. The gate that Jesus used to go to and from the temple uh, to the Mount of Olives was the Eastern Gate. 
which basically is another Bible study, obviously. But look up the Eastern Gate and see the history of that because it is it is enlightening and also a little disturbing. Now concerning the ninth hour or twilight, in the Passover of Exodus 12, the same in Jesus' death on the cross, Matthew twenty seven forty six, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sakbathani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew twenty seven fifty, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. So that we know here in Matthew chapter 27 that Jesus died in the ninth hour. Uh, he died uh, on that day. So we see here in Matthew chapter 27 that Jesus was crucified in the ninth hour and he died in the ninth hour. I want you to really make a marker of that because when you do your Bible studies and you learn about the narrative of Jesus Christ throughout the entire Bible, this is going to be key to understanding what the full story is. And we just don't want to be New Testament Christians. We want to be the whole council of God Christians from Genesis to Revelation. Now, why do I say all this? I say all this is because in the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 49, there is a place in Scripture where Jesus refers to the law, the prophets, and the writings. And this is a means for the people that he were, the two men that he was walking on the Emmaus Road with to comprehend. Okay? And so this is what happened in the last three to four days that Jesus was talking about. And, and now listen, and you read this and you're going to see what I'm talking about, but this is very, very interesting because it literally tied it up for me to be able to understand what the Bible was really all about. And it's really about Jesus Christ, but just let me keep going here. So Jesus reiterates the scriptures and the scriptures that were concerning him. Now he did this within a walking distance of seven miles from Jerusalem, which is amazing. And it takes roughly about an hour and a half to about an hour and 40 minutes to walk seven miles, give or take, you know, the turns or if it's straight or whatever. But that's roughly about how long Jesus was walking with these men to explain to them the scriptures. So imagine this. Probably the sermon of all sermons. I know the Sermon on the Mount was was absolutely amazing, but can you imagine the sermon that Jesus taught, or the, the teach the the Bible lesson that Jesus taught these men walking to Emmaus in an hour and a half? He explained the entire narrative to them. Now, if you think about it, think about who these men were. Obviously, either they were disciples or they were Jews. Either way. Okay, they were Torah observant Jews. And in order to be a Torah observant Jew at the time, you would have to do everything in Judaism, specifically in Jerusalem. Their temple was right there. So how more how much more Jewish can you not be? You have to be like literally the you're in Jerusalem. You're like like everything that is that was the, the history in Judaism is right there in Jesus's time. And this this is where these men were from from that area, and the people from that area. So did, did they or did not understand Judaism? You know they did. And so when he started speaking these scriptures to them, which they have a head start on Christians in general, because they know they know the Hebrew scriptures. They know it from with Genesis to 
to Malachi. As a matter of fact, the, the, the children at that time were learning to recite the entire Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They were able to recite the entire Torah and also write it out by hand by 12 years old. So there's no way you're going to sit there and tell me they don't know what Jesus was talking about. They knew exactly what he was talking about. We in the West as Christians have a hard time understanding what Jesus is talking about because we don't know the Hebrew Scriptures. So the very same Scriptures that Jesus used to explain on the Emmaus Road are the same Scriptures the apostles used to evangelize the entire world. And what Scriptures were they reading from? They were reading from the Old Testament. Those are the Scriptures they used. The Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. I would imagine that the very same thing that Jesus did in that hour and a half from the walk to Jerusalem to Emmaus, on the Emmaus Road, to the village they were heading towards, the very same scriptures that he used, they used. There's no doubt in my mind, because there was no other Bible at the time. And this is how you know that they understood, and this is how they know, how I know, that they understood. It says here, And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us? while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened scripture to us? Jesus referred to the unfolding mystery of the gospel from Genesis to Malachi. And this is how we know Jesus was not born on December 25th. He was born in conjunction to the unfolding mystery that God had given throughout the entire Bible. And if you heard what I just taught you, you're going to understand, and you're going to look at Jesus a, a lot more different than in conjunction to a holiday of secularism. This is Pastor Frank. God bless.